Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> Some guy just came in off the street. I don't know. Now we'll get to that a little bit later. I want to begin today just by comparing and contrasting two stories from when I was in grade nine. For some of you, that was a long time ago. For me, it wasn't that long ago, but it was a little bit ago. Um, while I was in grade nine, at the beginning of the year, I had this friend named Andrew. Andrew and I, we were pretty, pretty good friends, even though he was a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, and I wasn't. And uh, he became an Ottawa Senator fan later on in life, so I've forgiven him a little bit. And so anyways, Andrew and I, we were, we were pretty good friends. Uh, Andrew is quite shorter than I am. I haven't changed since grade nine. I've been this height uh, since then. Andrew was here, somewhere in this area, and uh, that meant he got bullied a lot. That meant people picked on him because he was a lot shorter, uh, but he didn't seem to care because that didn't mean he couldn't fight back. So there was this one day, we'll name this guy Bobby, just in case somehow you know the real name of the person, but I'll just go with Bobby. After school one day, Bobby and a few of his friends were outside and they circled Andrew outside of our school. And I came out and I saw that happening. Now, Bobby and I were actually considered friends at one point. We weren't at this time. He was in my grade. Uh, We were friends, but not now. And uh, there was also another guy who was there that went to my church. And they had all surrounded Andrew, planning on, I don't know what they were planning on, but it looked like they were trying to scare him, intimidate him. Now, Andrew, not one to run away from a fight, He was already like one versus four. The disadvantage was to the four in his mind. And so he was ready to take them all on. And so I came out of the school and I saw this happening and I had a choice. I could either go and do something about it or I could walk away. Now, in that moment, God gave me boldness. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just walked down the stairs and I walked through the circle. And I looked at Bobby and I looked at the guy who went to my church, and then I grabbed Andrew and just started walking out. And Andrew kind of resisted a little bit because he was like, now there's two of us. We can definitely win this fight. But I grabbed him and just said, let's go, and kept walking. It seems a lot cooler in my memory. It probably wasn't as cool as I'm thinking it. Like It wasn't like, don't touch this, came on the radio as I was walking through wasn't anything like that, but that's how I remember it, so that's how we're going for it. <laughs> but I walked through, we continued walking, and they followed us because they were a little embarrassed because there was four of them and only two of us. And so they started yelling at us and started saying things to us, and we just kept walking away. And Bobby got so mad that he just came up and he pushed Andrew from behind. And my dad had given me some self-defense techniques over the year, and instantly that took over. So as soon as Bobby pushed Andrew, I turned, I grabbed him, put my leg behind him, and flipped him down on the ground, turned around, grabbed Andrew, and kept walking. 
Again, Bobby was pretty embarrassed by all of this. And so they kept yelling and saying things, and I just kept telling Andrew, let's just keep walking. No need to keep this going. And so though I didn't explicitly say it that day, by my actions, I was boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God. I was standing up for justice for my friend against the injustice of bullies. Fast forward to the summer. I'd become a little bit popular in school, and I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that people knew who I was and enjoyed the fame that came with that. And I'd had this other friend named James, and James and I, we'd been good friends since grade seven, but James didn't fit in with the popular crowd. And so I stopped talking to him. And I just remembered I didn't... James and I did make up later on in life. He stood with me at my wedding, and I stood with him at his wedding. So that does end well. And I forgot I didn't actually tell them that in the first service, so they're probably thinking that I'm such a huge jerk. (laughs) Anyways, they'll find out later. But so anyways, I was hanging out with my friends that were in the popular crowd, and we had a sleepover this one night and we were hanging out some of us were playing video games other of us were you know eating food just you know doing what boys do hanging out and then I heard this commotion over in the corner and I didn't know what was going on and so I looked over and some of the guys had brought up pornography on the computer and I didn't want to be part of that I didn't want to you know go over and look at that and I knew what I should say and I knew what I should do But instead, I grabbed my backpack and went to the bathroom, and I left without saying anything. I got outside, and there were no cell phones back then. And so I know for some of you, like, what? The world existed without cell phones? I know it's crazy. So I couldn't call my dad to come pick me up. I wasn't going to use their phone because then they know something was going on. So I just ran home. About 15 minutes, it wasn't that far. I got home and told dad I wasn't feeling well and I went into my bedroom. My friends came looking for me and dad just said, you know what, he's not feeling well. Dad wasn't wrong, he wasn't lying. Because I felt horrible. I didn't feel physically sick. But I felt horrible that I was so ashamed of my walk with God that I didn't say anything at all. We'll come back to that in a little bit too. For the month of April, we've been digging deep into this guy named Paul. He was the apostle. We've seen his life before Christ. We've seen him come to know Christ. And we've seen his life after Christ. And so last week we heard about how he had presented the gospel to different rulers in different areas of the Mediterranean world. And now Paul was arrested, and they were sending him to Rome. And so they put him on a ship. They wanted to get to Rome as soon as they could, and it was winter. And for those of you who know anything about sailing, you don't sail in winter. Why don't you sail in winter? Because there's storms. They apparently didn't care. They decided to sail in winter, and guess what happened? They got shipwrecked on the island of Malta. And the neat thing about that is not a single 
slave, not a single soldier lost their life. Everyone was accounted for. And so they stayed on Malta for three months and they finally got a ship, you know, once the weather started getting good. They finally decided to sail for Rome. And so they get to Rome and when Paul gets to Rome, he gathers all the Jewish leaders and he tells them about Jesus. He says, this is the Messiah. This is the person we've been waiting for. And Paul sees that some of them believe, but some of them scoff and just kind of like, yeah, whatever, we're not going to listen to you. And so Paul is heartbroken by this, and he says, don't worry, the Gentiles, who are basically people who aren't Jews, they will also come to know Christ. And so we're going to be reading from Acts 28, 30-31. It is the fifth book of the New Testament, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts. And we're going to the very end of the book. The very end, chapter 28, verses 30 to 31. You can open it up in your Bibles, or you can bring it up on your phones, but it will also be up on the screen as I read it. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And this is what it says. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. So that beginning phrase at his own expense, Paul is actually under arrest, but he gets his own place and pays for it out of his own pocket because he doesn't want anyone stopping people from coming to see him. He doesn't want the Romans to say, well, you can't have these people in. No, he's going to rent his own place so that he can bring anyone in so that he can tell people about Jesus. And in the NLT, it says he was boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God. Now, boldly proclaiming in, in the Greek is actually only one word. And it's the word caruso. I know you're probably not going to remember that. It's not like you're going to go around saying it for the rest of the week. It's just a little trivia for you. Maybe, I don't know, it might help you win trivia pursuit one day. I know what that is. Probably not. But anyway, caruso just typically means to preach. It can also mean to proclaim. But what the word pretty much was always used for was to refer to someone who was a town crier or a herald. Now for those of you who don't know what a town crier is, that's what Alex was doing, the guy with the hair, when he walked down here ringing the bell. Back in ancient times, the town crier would be out in the city, he would walk the streets, he'd, he'd sometimes he'd get up on a box, he'd ring this bell saying, hear ye, hear ye, which basically means, listen up, I have something to say. And then he would proceed to tell everyone this information that he knew. And he would share with the people, because that's how people found out. There was no Google. You couldn't just call someone up. There was no Twitter or Facebook or whatever other social things are out there now. There's no TikTok. You couldn't bring up a video of someone sharing information. There were these town criers. And they were important, because that's how information was passed along to people. That's how you found out what was going on in your kingdom. That's how you found out what was going on in the world. In his book, The Forgotten Jesus, Robbie Galati explains that in the Jewish culture, they had a temple crier. They had someone who would be at the temple, and he would proclaim. He would announce different things that were going on. He would, he would sound a trumpet during different times of the day. He would summon the priest to the temple. 
Now, just another little tidbit of trivia for you. Again, it probably won't help you win anything, but just something to help you out. In the Bible, we're told that Jesus told Peter that he would deny him three times before what? Before the rooster crowed. The interesting thing is, in Jewish culture, roosters are unclean. And what that means is you don't touch a rooster. You don't go near a rooster. You don't have anything to do with roosters because they are unclean animals. So a rooster would never have been in the temple. And when Jesus was crucified, it was also Passover, which is one of their most holy feasts. So not only would a rooster not be in the temple, it wouldn't even be in the city. So why on earth do we read that there was a rooster that crowed two times or three times and Peter denied him? Well, we all have these things in our culture called idioms, which are simply things that we say, but they aren't really what they say. So, for instance, it's raining cats and dogs outside. That just means it's raining really, really hard. But say you travel 500 years ago, and you're like, it's raining cats and dogs outside. For them, it probably was true, because I was told after the first service that it was because that cats and dogs used to live up in the roofs, and when it rained really hard, they would slip off the roof. So it literally was raining cats and dogs outside. But it doesn't rain cats and dogs outside anymore for us, but we still say it, right? So that's kind of the same, the same idea in their culture, this... This town crier, his nickname would have been the rooster. And so it was actually a human that was making the noise in the Bible. Again, just a little bit of trivia for you to help you. Back to Paul. That's who we're talking about today. For two years, he boldly proclaimed the kingdom of God. And I love how the book of Acts ends. And no one tried to stop him. And no one tried to stop him. You know what's really unique about that? Is all throughout the book of Acts, everybody is trying to stop Paul from sharing the gospel. The Romans are trying to stop Paul. The Jews are trying to stop Paul. Other Christians are trying to stop Paul. In fact, before Paul came to know Christ, Paul stopped people from telling the gospel. So all throughout this book, we see that people are trying to stop the spreading of Jesus and telling people the good news about Jesus. And then we get to the end, and Paul is in Rome, and he's telling people about Jesus, and no one tried to stop him. It's like a completion of the story. You had to go through all this. You had to endure all of this. But guess what? No one's going to stand in your way now. But there will be things that stand in our way from telling others about Jesus. It doesn't mean we shouldn't share the gospel. It just means we need to share it even more. So this is our point for today. This won't help you win anything, but it helps you to remember what we're talking about. Don't let anything stop you from boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God. Don't let anything stop you from boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God. That Greek word caruso refers to the town crier. It's a word we typically translate as preach or proclaim. 
But in our culture nowadays, we typically leave that to one group of people. We say, well, the pastors, those are the ones who are supposed to preach and proclaim. But Paul in the Bible tells us, no, if you are a follower of Christ, you are called to preach and proclaim the gospel. You are called to be a town crier for Jesus. Thank you, Josiah, for giving me that amen. (laughs) Just think about it. We are the town criers of light in a world of darkness. We are the ones proclaiming the good news. In ancient times, if a town or a place did not have a town crier, what did what happened? They didn't know. They had no way to find information or find out what was going on. They had no idea of the messages that were being spread around the world. And so the same things for us. If we do not share the gospel, if we do not pick up the mantle of being the spiritual town criers in our places of work or of school or in our homes or in our communities, they will never hear the gospel of Christ. In my introduction, I shared two different stories. The first one with Andrew. Andrew, that day, he saw me boldly proclaiming the gospel of God and showing him the kingdom. And he was intrigued by that and he wanted to know more. And so he came to follow Christ. He was baptized and he still follows Christ to this day. However, in contrast, my other group of friends, I allowed myself to get caught up in being popular and being liked that I didn't want to lose it. Instead, I allowed my witness for Christ to be tainted. And I regret that I didn't stand up for what I believe in. And to this day, I don't know of any of them that are following Christ. And honestly, why would they? I didn't show them who he was. I ran away. I wish I could go back and fix it. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't stand up and yell at them and be like, you are all sinners. No, I would have said, you know what, guys? If you want to look at that, that's fine. But I'm going home. I don't want to do that. I'm standing up for what I believe in. But I'm also not breaking those relationships. And I wish I could say that I learned my lesson that day, but there are still times I stay silent when I need to speak. And so God and I are still working on that for me. But we, as Christians... Don't let anything stop us from boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God. Don't let anything stop you, stop me, from boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God. So what does that mean for us today? How do we apply that? Well, number one, we can't let Satan stop us. 
Satan's up to the same tricks he's been doing for thousands and thousands of years. He wants nothing more than for Christians to be silent. And if he can't take you away from God, he'll do the next best thing. He'll just make you ineffective. And so he'll put doubts in your head and he'll deceive you into thinking a certain way so that you won't speak. And he even tried to do this with Jesus when he tempted him while he was here on earth. But Jesus gives us an example to follow. So when Satan says, and he uses this one a lot, when Satan says, you're not good enough, you say, you're right. I'm not. But Jesus is. And I rebuke you with his authority. When Satan says, no one's going to listen to you, you can say, perhaps not, but I'm going to share the gospel anyway. When Satan says, you don't want to ruin that relationship, you don't want to stop them from liking you, you can say, if I don't tell them about Christ, I'm ruining the relationship anyway. Don't let Satan stop you. As Christians, we have the authority to rebuke him. And it's time we put him back in his place. Number two, don't let others stop you. The world is a hostile place towards Christianity. I'm not saying we're undergoing persecution like people in other parts of the world, but the society we live in is pretty hostile towards Christians. They say, well, we need to be acceptance. We need to tolerate everything. And you guys, you guys don't do that. That's a, that's a very misconception of what we believe, by the way. Because Christ calls us to love. But the interesting thing is they, they want us to be tolerant and accepting. But then when we say something, they don't accept us. Which is, you know, weird because... To be tolerant means to accept someone who has a differing belief than you, not just accept those who agree with you. And so as Christians, we are called to love and to follow Christ and to have a relationship with him. It's not about strictly following rules, though that is how we have portrayed it at times. It's about living a life that honors God and honors others. So when others try to stop you from boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God, show them love. Speak with truth. And introduce them to the real Jesus, not the one they think exists. So don't let Satan stop you. Don't let others stop you. And thirdly, don't let yourself stop you. If you're anything like me, you're your own biggest enemy. I stop myself a lot. I doubt who I am. I doubt my abilities. I doubt my comprehension. And I know that some of us fit in those categories as well. There are days where I can put Satan in his place and I can tell the world that I follow Christ, but I stop myself from sharing the gospel because I'm afraid. And I think this boils down to this idea that we think we think that we are the ones that save people. 
We put all this pressure on ourselves that I have to say the right words. I have to do it the right way. I have to do all these things in order for someone to come to know Christ. But Jesus never put that pressure on any of us. Jesus just said, go and tell others about me. It's not up to me and it's not up to you to save them. That's what Jesus does. So we just share the gospel and let him do his thing. That pressure does not need to be put on top of us. You see, we are the town criers passing on the message from God to the rest of humanity. We don't pick and choose who hears the message. We simply say it to whoever, whenever, wherever we are. And once we share the gospel, we may need to step back and let Jesus do his thing. So there's a list that's going to come up on the screen here. I didn't make up this list. Our youth group actually made it up a couple weeks ago. It has, had nothing to do with my message, but it fit really well. So I asked them if I could borrow it. But this is what it says. Don't let anger, fear, frustration, anxiety, doubt, emptiness, stress, laziness, personal pressure, peer pressure, our perception of our identity in Christ, temptation, pride, or personal priorities. Don't let any of those stop you from boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways.